This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. Our taping is made possible with the support of Raider, a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General also makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, including two teaching hospitals and the region's only level two trauma center, with more than 5,500 employees, Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and make caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General provides services throughout Acadiana and facilitates telemedicine throughout the state, making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, visit oxnerlg.org. We're proud to welcome our newest sponsor, Home Bank, where you'll not only find trusted financial advisors, but neighbors who will help you stay ahead of identity thieves. Home Bank encourages you to limit the use of paper checks, which contain your personal or business information, along with your bank account number. When possible, choose to pay with cash, debit, or credit cards, or with your phone's mobile wallet. Learn more at home24bank.com. Brian McDonald, CEO of SchoolMint, joins us today. Brian has over 25 years of education software industry experience. He began his career as a teacher, and after serving as a district technology leader, Brian entered private enterprise, working with national companies such as Apple, PowerSchool, Safari Books Online, Maximus Education Systems, and most recently, Illuminate Education. SchoolMint is known as the industry leader in choice, enrollment, registration, and behavior for K-12 schools for more than 12 million students in 18,000 schools nationwide. And locally, many of you know this, Brian and SchoolMint made big news when they decided to relocate their headquarters from San Francisco to Lafayette. So Brian McDonald, I've looked forward to having you share your journey and why Lafayette was the right fit for SchoolMint. Welcome to Discover Lafayette. Thank you, excited to be here. Yeah, we met uh, at a downtown event. You were speaking recently Mm -hmm. um, to Downtown Lunch and Learn, and uh, there was a large crowd there kind of wanting to get to know you, Mm -hmm. and I was one of them. I was so pleased to make your acquaintance. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to talk about moving the company here. I know people like to hear that story. We we always do, and this was back in 2020 Mm -hmm. that your company decided to make the big move down south. So as we get to that point in your story, I think it'd be interesting first if you could share your background in education and what led you into the tech industry. Sure. Well, I got my start as a middle school math and science teacher. You did? I did, yeah. And I was also what in education is called a specials teacher. So like band, music, PE, those are all specials. Uh Um, And I was the technology specials teacher. So I was pretty interested in all things technology, and I was teaching at a laboratory school on the University of Wyoming's campus. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And so I got myself into a couple of statewide committees and some initiatives the governor was launching and got more and more interested in the technology side of, of what I was doing. 
and ended up uh, taking a technology leadership position at the local school district mm -hmm. and uh, loved it and really just got excited about that. But along the way, um, in fact, my superintendent, I uh, had been in the job, I think, a week. This was probably in early August, told me that we were replacing our entire student information system, which is the system that does grades, attendance, report cards, transcripts. For the whole district. For the whole district oh, for wow. every kid. So, you know, kind of a, a low stakes system. Not really. And... Um, <laughs> He told me that they were moving off of this mainframe and onto a, a new system, and I had three weeks to get it going. And I didn't know anything about student information systems or the particular mainframe they were using, and so I learned pretty fast. Did he understand what he was asking? I don't think so, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's why he, he uh, didn't appreciate how much work that was. Yeah. But we got it done. But we replaced it with a, a system that was almost as antiquated as the one that they were throwing out. Mm -hmm. And I thought there had to be a better option. And I looked around and I found a tiny little startup company that had two and a half employees called PowerSchool. Okay. And it was just getting started. Mm -hmm. For this kind of thing, to for help exactly this kind of thing, it was the right. it was the first web based system. Which now, of course, you know what else would it be? But back then in it the nineties, I was uh, pretty pretty cutting edge stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I took one look at that, and I thought that is what we should have done. And so we replaced the system I had just implemented. You know, about six months later, with this new system. Mm -hmm. And uh, loved it. It was really, really great. And one of the, the most interesting things about it was, for the first time ever, teachers were using the same system in the classroom that the office was using and parents were using. So literally, mom could drop kids off at school and go home. And we didn't have iPhones back then, but go home and log on to the web and see if the kid actually made it to class. Or oh, like like in, uh, just in real time taking role yeah uh, yeah electronically was the homework turned in exactly could wow. see if assignments were late or you know if there was a test tomorrow you know suddenly mom and dad could see all of that and you know as a parent you just are typically in the dark mm -hmm. you know exactly. and you don't realize till there's a problem that there's a problem that's exactly right yeah. and it's often too late to fix the problem mm -hmm. yeah so it was a real game changer and that's something every school district would need right? it, it is and every school district uses one yeah uh, uses a system today. like that today uh -huh. and and power school today is the most popular of those systems by far um so uh, the more I used it, the more I realized, you know, that was really what I was excited about. And so joined the company as one of the first employees and uh, was actually the guy who um, sometime shortly after I joined, uh, went down to Cupertino and showed it to Steve Jobs and <laughs> Apple oh my gosh. bought the software and bought the company. And oh so goodness. I became became part of Apple at that point. So you were in Wyoming when all this took place, but where I, was PowerSchool? I was, and uh, PowerSchool was in Northern California. Okay, so they were all in the same region, I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I moved. That's exciting stuff. It, yes, it oh was. Oh my gosh, it was very, Steve Jobs. Very exciting, yes. Uh, yes. Did he have I, one of black uh, turtleneck he at did. that time? Yeah, he did. He <laughs> I did. Love that. I love that uniform. He did. He had uh, he had some really interesting feedback for us that was, was spot on. Um, 
but I still remember today some of the you know f- the things that he said, and so that meeting was especially nerve wracking because it was at a point where either company could decide not to move forward with the deal, and so you know he wanted before they you know wrote the check, he wanted to see the software, and and so. Um, literally sat down right next to him at the mm-hmm. Apple headquarters, the old one, not, not the new one. And were you a coder showed it to him. or were you more the designer, like of what would take place? More the designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you knew what the school districts needed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So what year was that? Do you that was in 2001. Okay. Yeah. That was wow. 2001. So I had moved from Wyoming where oh. I was living to Northern California and, uh, you know, joined the company and yeah. was, was serendipity. Yeah. Gosh. So what happened? I mean, were you there a while or did, uh, I know you had some other, I was, so I was, so I was there, um, Apple acquired the business and I was there for a couple more years and then, um, left to join Maximus who was starting a similar initiative mm-hmm. and a project they were doing in, in Los Angeles and asked me to come and actually build a team for them. So I did that, and I did that for the next three and a half years. It was a lot of fun, but it was also 100% travel. And that just gets old after a while. And so um, I had, uh, PowerSchool had asked me a couple of times to come back and uh, finally said yes and came back and and joined that. And, And that was right about the time where Apple sold that business to Pearson. And so, um, Pearson acquired PowerSchool and two other similar companies all at the, the same month and put it all together. And, and so they asked me to come back and, and lead the product teams for that, which I did. Yeah, I'm curious. It seems like there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions and all. I guess that's really common, though, with Very the startup common. tech companies, Very right? Common. Whether you're in education or any type of business. Mm-hmm. So you got experience not only in education software, but the business side. I did. Yeah. Do you like that side of it? I do. I enjoy it. Oh. I enjoy it a lot. And I yeah. mean, obviously my role as CEO, I, I do a lot more of that than I do on the product side. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this Illuminate Education, I know that was who you were with right before SchoolMint. Do, do they do the same kind of software they do education software but it's different than what power school was doing so what illuminate was focused on was more assessment Mm -hmm. um, online assessment for students and uh, some you know data analytics around assessment okay well i'd like to ask you to um if you can explain because when i did the introduction you know, I'm talking about leader and choice enrollment, mm-hmm. registration and behavior for mm-hmm. schools for like millions of kids and, you know, 18,000 schools nationwide. Can you kind of talk about what Schoolman actually does? Like if they help some, I know they help some schools locally. Mm-hmm. So what are the kind of things that we as parents or grandparents, if I hear about Schoolman, what, what is it that you actually, your, your people do? day-to-day to help schools? So what I usually tell people is we can be summed up in three words, attract, enroll, and retain. Okay. And so we're all about what we call strategic enrollment management. And it's kind of a new thing for schools, for K-12 schools. It's not a new thing for higher education. They're very familiar with the idea that you're trying to attract students to your you know, college or university, you have an entire enrollment process, and then once you get them enrolled, you wanna keep them enrolled. Mm-hmm. And so we're bringing that same concept to K-12. 
And so what we do is we help schools make themselves known to parents. And if you're a parent and you're wondering what your choices are, you are interacting with our software. And so, you know, you... uh, you want to find an eighth grade school that's dual language, for example, we help you see where that is. And if you want to find one that's only, you know, five miles from your house, we can help you filter that down. Uh, But it's really that, that attract piece. We help the schools put themselves out there and we help the parents find those schools. And so it's a bit of a matchmaking uh, in, in a, in a very real way. And then once parents are interested, then we help with the actual online application. So that giant packet of forms that Mm -hmm. you fill out, we put all that online, we put it in a web page or on a mobile phone. In fact, uh, right now, most of our parents are actually filling it out on a mobile device. Yeah, they are. Um, And it saves as they go? Or do they have to be tech savvy? No, they don't have to be tech savvy. In fact, we we pride ourselves on making Mm -hmm. it as as easy as possible. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't disappear, no. The phone dies. No, it doesn't. And, and, you know, a lot of the schools have uh, seat capacity, and so there might be a waiting list, Mm -hmm. there might be a lottery. And I will tell you, before I came to Schoolman, I didn't appreciate how complex those lotteries are and all the rules about how you give a seat to a particular student. You know, were they there last year? They get a little bit of extra points. Mm -hmm. Do they have a sibling in the school? Mm -hmm. Is the school within a certain distance of their house? Do they fit a particular profile? You know, we have a a school who has 1,600 different conditionals to determine whether they're going to offer a seat and, and to whom. And so to do that with a paper process, it let's is say. really hard. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. even with an antiquated mm-hmm. um, tech system, mm-hmm. it's not. It's up not. To speed. No, it isn't. And yeah. So, and that's more and more common. And that's why you know oh. we're seeing our our customer base grow and grow and grow. Um, and so we help the parents through that entire process, and the schools manage that process. Um, but it's not enough to get those kids enrolled. We need to make sure we help the schools keep the kids enrolled. And the number one thing research tells us is that if the student is happy in the class and the parent is happy with how they feel like their kids are being supported, they will keep that that child in that school. Oh, yeah. It's so much easier than moving and exploring. Exactly. And conversely, it could be a great school by a lot of measures. But if the parents are not... Mm -hmm confident their kids are getting the right experience, they'll pull that kid at least out of the class and oftentimes out of the school. We'd see that a lot in private schools. Some kids would stay, you know, because really Mm -hmm. we never wanted to move our kids, but some people were hopping around and they were all good schools they were going to. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, the poor kids, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of upheaval. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So... Do you, do you appeal more to public schools or is it just any kind of school that would look at these um, amenities that you offer them? It's, it's really any school with a couple of caveats. So obviously charter schools, schools where they're depending on, on choice, like they're recruiting 100% of their kids, they're the most eager to roll out a solution like this. But what's really happened, especially with covid is the public schools have have long sort of thought that they owned the kids 
And they even sometimes still use those words. You know, these are my kids. Mm -hmm. And that's because they lived in the boundaries of the school. And, you know, when, when I went to school, that you went to your neighborhood school. And there wasn't any other option. Right. That's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't true before COVID. Even before COVID, 40% of parents had access to choice. And a full third of kids were not going to their neighborhood school. But when COVID hit, it really upset the apple cart. And suddenly, you know, kids were virtual, online. And once that happens, they can sign up for really any kind of program. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of parents who never thought about alternatives to their neighborhood school, suddenly their kids were in an alternative to their neighborhood school. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was parents couldn't go to the schools and fill out a paper application anymore. So all of that came together and we just saw an explosion of interest from public schools that we hadn't seen Mm -hmm. in the past. Right. So... um I just don't even know where to start with this. So we're here in Lafayette, Louisiana, obviously. Um, we're a rather small, I mean, mid-sized town compared to San Francisco and other places. So for the schools here, I can see why they need it. And we're going to talk about that after a little break we're going to take. But but this is really something for large school districts like Houston or uh, Denver or, mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco, wherever, Los Angeles. For people that don't know where to send their kids, this is really a godsend. And for the, the schools, too. I guess it's like ads will pop up on the Internet, right, if they're on Google. Right. You know, ABC School is looking for you. That's you know? right. So and you help the schools with all that. We do. And, and we're, Targeting. Just, we're just releasing some new tools literally to do what you just described. Mm-hmm. I mean, schools have never thought about how they appear in Google search results before. Mm -hmm. And so we're making it easy for them to see that. They've never thought about, am I getting five-star reviews on Facebook or not? How would I even know? And we're we're helping put that information in front of them. Because I would think a lot of them are tenured staff and they're not able to keep up. Maybe not even interested in keeping up because Mm -hmm. they have enough trouble keeping the schools going and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting the kids in line mm-hmm. for lunch or whatever. So, Well, and that's where for us, our, our you know, I, I mentioned attract, enroll, and retain. Mm-hmm. So our retain solutions come into play. And, you know, we, we refer to it as our positive classroom. But it's, it's, a, it's a teacher coaching framework to give them the tools to be successful with the kids. And it's a positive behavior uh, tool, mm-hmm. which is great. It, and it just, it just really transforms the classrooms. Yeah. So. I think it's exciting. I, I learned more about you from an interview that I did with Lindsay Smythe. And I, I uh-huh. uh, want to pause and, and listen back to this recent interview we did about a month ago. And uh, I know your school meant a, a critical part in their success as they move forward. Lindsay Smythe is principal of Ecole St. Landry, a French immersion program for K through second grade students at this point. The school's in a startup phase, and they recently partnered with SchoolMint, who's assisting with online registrations, identifying potentially interested families, and optimizing the school's SEO and Google presence. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear Lindsay's dynamic voice. I just fell in love with her enthusiasm for everything she does. And I want to thank FACET, who's making this moment possible. FACET has offered career transition services and executive coaching for 40 years. FACET provides direction on individualized career strategies and uses a personal strengths inventory to place people in positions that allow them to flourish. For more information, please visit facetgroup.com. We people your success. 
And now the moment. Schoolment uh, used to be in the Silicon Valley for years and years. And while I was doing Leadership Lafayette, one of my classmates, Will, he kind of just said, hey, I'm really excited. He works for Lita or worked for Lita at the time. And he's like, we got this company called Schoolment. And of course, my ears perked up. And he's like, they're moving to Lafayette. They're mm-hmm. leaving California. This is big for us. And so I kind of Googled them and come to find out their kind of bread and butter product is that parents apply for schools with them. So they make a, a platform. Mm-hmm. They put in their, you know, they make a username and address. Oh, nice. They put in their information. They say, I, uh, this is the grade my child's in. This is the grade I want to apply. If you need to do a lottery, oh. they do the lottery for Otherwise, you. Otherwise, you'd be using folders, right, and paper. And telling you, we did, we did, we did pen and paper last year. Anybody that applied, uh, it was a Google form. I got an email. I then had to copy and paste their email mm-hmm. from the form into another email, hoping that it wouldn't get kicked back because I'm just a stranger emailing a stranger uh, because... You know, if the system doesn't know you were trying to talk together, Google's like, who are you? Why are you trying to? And you can't email too many at once because if you email over 10, then now you're spamming. And Mm -hmm. so this year, it's just all automated. Um, They also have a platform that allows you to find parents uh, for meet and greet. So basically, if you have a two-year-old, you don't want to apply, but you just kind of want to be on the interest list. They have a second platform for that. that. And then on top of that, uh, they have a new sector in which they do digital marketing, reputation management, basically making sure that like, um, how are your reviews looking? Where are your hits online? They do like your SEO and trying Mm -hmm. to optimize who you are online and your digital presence. Like before, if you would Google French Immersion Sunset, it would come up to a KTC article that was written once about us. But our business didn't come up. And Mm -hmm. so they really worked on that. And thanks to the Schumacher Foundation, they kind of got us connected and we're doing a three-year kind of a pilot program. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette with Brian McDonald, CEO of SchoolMet. So it sounds like you pretty much can figure out if y'all don't have a program, you're going to come up with a program that schools need. Is this something that's evolving, Brian? Like, or have y'all kind of mastered the, oh, you know, the scope of what, what the administrators need? Well, we, we're always thinking about new solutions. And, you know, Nicole St. Landry is a great example. Yeah. They're a design partner of ours, and they were the very first school to use a brand new product that we hope to be launching in the next couple of months. So is it the lottery or is it? Um, it is not. Oh. It's uh, it's something that we are going to call uh, in Schoolment Engage, and it's literally designed to help them with search engine optimization, mm-hmm. with their online presence, and help that attract part of what we do right. that then flows right into the enroll. Right. Because Lindsay was saying in that little clip that um, when people would search French Immersion or Ecole St. Landry, like an article that maybe the advocate or advertiser had written would come up mm-hmm. and not the school mm-hmm. itself. And mm-hmm. she was, they, they really need to build enrollment mm-hmm. to stay open because you can't, you can't stay open if you don't have enough kids That's enrolled. exactly right. So it's a real chicken and egg thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's thrilled about, I think the um, Schumacher group was also, Schumacher Family Foundation. Correct. Was also helping with this process. They were, and, and we loved, you know, working with her as a design partner mm-hmm. to help us get our, you know, tools ready to launch. Yeah. So it, it was a good project for us, yeah. too. So were you, um, I guess we can jump right into your move here. Mm-hmm. Talk about... Schoolman, if you will, the size of your company and um, what brought you to Lafayette, Louisiana? Sure. So when I joined Schoolman, 
about three years ago. It was a startup that had about 70 people. And it was split sort of between San Francisco, California, and San Jose, Costa Rica. And there are a lot of tech companies in Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. That Intel, would be a great place to It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. No one ever complains about having to go to Costa Rica. They have good internet there. They do. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, so, you know, we were wrestling with the same issues a lot of startups in San Francisco wrestle with, which is the difficulty of, you know, pivoting out of that startup mode into a sustainable business. And we were growing, um, but it's extremely expensive in San Francisco. And, you know, as a company like ours, we're serving education. So, you know, our prices are pretty reasonable. We're we're not, um, you know, trying to, to make a fortune off of the schools. And we're competing against, you know, Googles and Apples and Facebooks and Ubers and, you know, companies that have bigger and deeper pockets than we did for the talent. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's difficult. And you know, the, the, the lifestyle that people have there and their own costs meant, even though we were paying, you know, very high salaries for the area, they were still, you know, we had people making six figure salaries that had three roommates and they were sleeping on a futon. Yeah. I mean, it's $2,000 to rent someone's garage to live in. And so it's just a hard, you know, place wow. to, to be sustainable. Yeah. But it's and also kind of the Mecca where people think about tech. It is. You know? Yeah, it is. Um, but increasingly, and we're seeing this now, uh-huh. a lot of tech firms are moving out yeah. of San Francisco and hiring outside San Francisco. And we were hiring a lot of ex-educators. And so um, for us, it wasn't quite as critical to be in downtown San Francisco. In fact, it was in, in a very real way was starting to be, you know, harder and harder for us to continue thinking about our own future there. So how did you find out about So Lafayette? well we there was a young man that started a company, that's, right? That's right. So in two thousand and four, Casey Bienvenu started um, at Karen Crow High School mm-hmm. and uh, they were just launching a a uh, Kind of a school within a school. The Academy of Information Technology. Exactly. Yep. Well done. I used to serve on that okay. task force. Okay. And <laughs> I'm so, so proud of them. Casey was asked to basically take an application and put it online, which he did. And then he built it out from there into a company that was called Smart Choice Technologies. And Schoolmint acquired that business mm-hmm. in 2019, in November. So you were there. I was, yeah. They were, they were. That was the first acquisition that Schoolmint did with me as the CEO. May I ask, did did he reach out to you, or did y'all? He just came up on your radar as an effective. So Mike Spears was was running the business, um, and he and Casey were partners uh, with another uh, person named Bill Dalton. So the three of them were were partners, and Mike actually reached out. I mean, we were aware of them. Mm -hmm. They were doing a lot of the same things that Schoolmint was doing. And so we were definitely aware of them. And uh, when Mike came out, we were really excited about what we could do together. I mean, we were both spending a lot of time building essentially the same yeah. things. Yeah. And so we said, what if we teamed up? Two minds are better. Huh? Exactly. And yeah. instead of building the same thing twice, why don't we build it once and make it amazing? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. And. 
that's how I found out about Lafayette, Louisiana. And Did you travel here to meet with them, or they all went to... He came to San Francisco uh-huh. to meet with us. Um, I The first time I set foot in Lafayette was after the deal was done, and I came out to meet the team here. And uh, that was my first, you know, first time I'd ever been to Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And it was my first clue that there was something really special here. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from the moment I got off the airplane, literally, there was a banner hanging up in the airport... And it talked about some of the great things about Lafayette, but highlighted in it was world's happiest city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not the happiest city in the world, you're still a really happy city, you know? And and so... uh, Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right, exactly. (laughs) And so that... That is so funny. That caught my eye. Yeah. And it was, you know, sort of my first clue that Lafayette was... Yeah. Something special. What time of year was that, Brian? That was um, that was late November. Okay. So the was weather wasn't November. too bad. Weather was pretty nice. Yeah. Weather yeah. was pretty nice. Uh, met the team here and just delightful people. Super friendly and did they take it, you out to eat? Uh, they they did, yes. First time I'd ever had uh, boudin. Uh-huh. Boudin. 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 Uh, yeah. probably, <laughs> I've, I've heard yeah, I've heard it boudin. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> Yes, uh, I got. I, they treated me incredibly well, and I just left with such a positive, you know, impression of, of Lafayette. But no real thought that we would move the right. headquarters here. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when when one company buys another, one of the questions that you ask is, "Do we need to keep the real estate, and do we need to keep the team?" And we were so impressed. You know, the answer was, "Of course, mm-hmm. you know, we'll keep the team." Um, but our understanding of Lafayette began to grow after that visit and we learned more and more about you know what it had to offer um, over the next few months and you know every time we turned around there was something else that was pretty interesting to us about Lafayette. Was LUS Fiber and the uh, you know all the other companies that offer fiber or or internet they've had to raise their game you know to to stay competitive was that part of your um, what you were looking at? It yes and no Um, that is something that I talked about a few weeks ago when I met with the, the downtown development group. You know, the the presence of fiber is definitely a plus, and Lafayette is, you know, in a pretty interesting place. But that isn't the draw that maybe it was a decade ago. I was wondering um, about that because you're not really. It's not like you're online with everybody. You're you're creating software for individual schools and that they'll be using in their own network. When people ask me about that, I tend to say that's a lot like, you know, bragging about the fact that we have electricity or indoor Mm -hmm. plumbing. It's sort of... I'm very proud of that. I I am too. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Big fan. But it's it's expected. It's a given. It's expected. But Um. what is unique about the, the lost fiber story and the reason I tell the story isn't so much the fiber itself, but the fact that it was the first, it was the fastest, and that's not unique for this area. It goes all the way back to the 1890s, as you know, yeah. um, when this city was interested in getting electricity. After the world's and, yes, yeah. and that's and, how we got the university, mm-hmm. and that's how we became the bigger town. Yeah. Opelousas really... Crowley, these other towns were much more ahead of us. And that's so how we got electricity because we fought for it. And built it yourself. Yeah. 
you know, no, no, no one else would bring power to Lafayette. So Lafayette said, well, how hard could it be to build our own power station? And they did. Little little did they know. And they did. And the same thing, you know, and and when Lus set out to put fiber in the ground here, that was probably a crazy idea. And they did it anyway, and I love that. Yeah, I just love that. And that, I think that's indicative of that wildcatter. Absolutely. You know, like the oil and gas people, and just the people that are roll the dice. You know, I mean, it's it's that's what I think is really special. There's about an our optimism region. here <laughs> that you don't see in a lot of places, and you know, people talk about how nice everyone is, and they are. They're just wonderful, wonderful people here. But it's that that can-do, optimistic attitude that is so refreshing here. Yeah. Um, and it really has left an impression on me, and I know everyone who comes and visits has that mm-hmm. same reaction. You know what's so important about that too, Brian, is we've lost, like back in the 70s and early 80s, about 40% of people were employed directly or indirectly by the oil and gas industry. And that is you know, no longer the case. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a very small percentage of people. And Lafayette was the oil center. And we are going to survive as we transition to bringing in companies such as yours, building our healthcare industry and our tech industry. So your move here is, I think, indicative of today and the future. Well, it's... I, I completely agree, obviously. I mean, we're here, but I have to hand it to the state and the city and the parish uh, officials, too, who have really, really committed to that future. And I can tell you, this company wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some of those initiatives. You know, every time we turned around, we saw a program or an incentive or um, some other reason that. The, the city or the parish, uh, the state would help out to try to get yeah. a company like ours. And that makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the latest on your headquarters. Like I know, are you still in temporary space? We are still in temporary where? space. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping to get our permanent space agreement signed this week. And we'll be making an announcement about that. But it'll Good. be downtown. Good. Um, and I'm thrilled. It's going to be amazing. So if you can just talk or touch on what what do like LIDA and Louisiana Economic Development and I guess local elected leaders, what do they do when they want to entice someone like you and Schoolment to move here? What types of things are, are standard um, to bring a company in? Well, I don't know if I can answer what's standard, but <clears throat> I can tell you some of the things that were done for us. I'll just give a couple examples. Um, Lita was was very helpful for us. So even before we came, they were hosting virtual job fairs. And this was in the middle of COVID, so virtual was was what you got. But you know, they were helping <clears throat> they were helping us recruit people and we didn't have anyone here on the ground. We were looking for space. They literally went to buildings with their cell phones and made videos of the tours of these different locations and helped us. I mean, it felt like we had, you know, local guides that were going to make sure that our move was a success. That was one of the first things, because when you're moving a company to a new city, especially if you don't have a big presence there already, everything's new. And in the middle of COVID, you know, we couldn't get on a plane and fly out and check these places out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that, that commitment 
immediately, you know, gave us confidence that we could move the business here. There are other things like LED fast start where, you know, the attitude is if there isn't someone here with the knowledge or the expertise for a particular position, we'll help you train someone Mm -hmm. to get that knowledge and build up that expertise here. And that's another example of, you know, just committing to getting a company like ours here and then starting to build that expertise because that's another concern as a company. Will I find someone with these skills? Um, Can I hire the people that I want? Am I going to have to train them all myself? And, you know, every time we turned around, the answer was, hey, we can help you with that. Because I'm, I'm sure the hope is just to hire local people. Absolutely. So you're not having a recruit around Absolutely. the country. You know, ULL's been wonderful. Uh-huh. They, they came right away and said, you know, whatever you need, tell us. We'll make sure we include it in our programs. I mean, we just felt so much support. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was it was uh, amazing. The mayor, you know, called me randomly on a Tuesday just to ask after we'd moved if there was anything that we needed. And um, Boudin. Yes, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. More How many Boudin. people are employed now? Um, are they all here? Or are they? They're not people? all here. So we have about 225 people now. Um, we have about 70 here mm-hmm. that. Um, is growing every day. We hope to be at 100 by the end of the year. Here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are there projections for the future or just take it as it comes? I take it as it comes, but I'm pretty confident we'll be, mm-hmm. you know, I can see the end of this year and, and yeah. we'll be at 100 here or more. Will you do anything outside of education or is this really No, the, this, the is, this is what we focus on. Yeah, it's yeah. probably the best. Huh? Yeah. Well, is there anything that... You wanted to get in that I didn't ask you. Any points that you thought I would ask? Not really. Well, I the one thing that I, I was uh, imagining you might be curious about is what did it feel like to come here just because I moved here mm-hmm. myself. And, you know, I want to give myself a little bit of I'm going to call it Cajun credit for believing, uh, but I moved here in the middle of COVID, so I had to drive, couldn't fly, and um, into the mouth of, I think, the worst hurricane season in history. The two strongest storms to hit the state were back-to-back, so I moved here, um, and then we had... Delta, we had, or well, Laura, Laura. and then Delta. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and I don't think I went more than two weeks without either being under a hurricane watch, a warning, a hurricane, or cleaning up after. Yeah. Um, Did you have to get a generator? I mean, I guess you know. I do now, yes. I have the ultimate (laughs) Lafayette luxury as a a generator. So you can keep the frozen boo down. That's right. From going back. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, So that was interesting. And Mm -hmm. then... And there was a culture shock, I'm sure. You know, it's hot here too that time of year. It is warm here that time of year. Hot as Hades, and then you got to clean up the whole mess in the yard. Yeah. And all of the great things I heard about Lafayette are are either food based, festival based, or you know face to face people based, Mm -hmm. and all of that was shut down. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just now getting a taste for what Lafayette is actually mm-hmm. like. You know, Mardi Gras is starting to happen. Oh, yeah. I went to the Cajuns baseball game on Saturday mm-hmm. and like, it was wonderful. Yeah, we're taping this the week before Mardi Gras. So, yes. I mean, you've got a lot coming up. I don't yes. know if you've had an opportunity to see Rio or the 
Kruti Kanai walking parade. And I saw a little bit, yeah. and I'm really looking forward to, to the actual Tuesday Mardi Gras parade. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Yes, yeah. I yeah. can't wait. Do you have a favorite food that you've discovered since you've been here that's different you know, than mm. you would have had in Wyoming or California? Well, I jambalaya for me is the thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I may have had it once or twice before I came here, but um, I definitely love that. Uh, Boudin is really good. You know, food generally here is food game is strong. It's very strong. Um, yeah. There's a lot of home-owned, you know, mom and pop restaurants. I think much more than most towns have. Yes. So no matter where you go, you're not going to get a bad meal. No. You know. No, you're not. <laughs> well, Brian McDonald, I want to thank you. Um, and I should have asked you what you thought, but you just look so happy. I, I just thought am. he's happy. I you know? am. Yeah. And besides the food and the festivals and all, what I have found special is that people are loyal friends. Mm -hmm. So once you meet them, and I know you've met a lot of people, even with the COVID shutdown, um, people are very loyal and want to help one another. Whether it's business, personal, or neighborhoods, people really band together, which is good. I have seen that firsthand. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for making time <clears throat> today. And I want people, you know, if you want to find out more about School Mint, you could just Google that, and they do have a, a wonderful Google presence. <laughs> But to learn more about what SchoolMint does, because I'm not sure how many of our local schools use this, but it's something that can help people, in particular the um, Nicole St. Landry that we spoke about. I'd like to thank our listeners for being so loyal. And in particular, I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this show possible. Oxner, Lafayette General, thank you for your ongoing support. And FACET Group that provides um, career counseling. Home Bank, and of course, Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape. I hope you'll consider checking out our website, discoverlafayette.net, where you can find Brian's interview and about 250 to 260 others. Or even better, please subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift.